with the death of the cookie, I'm certainly excited to see how we can reach the consumer. I think it's going to be much more behavioral. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, your number one podcast for e-commerce insights from some of the biggest names and loudest disruptors in the industry. I'm Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org. And on today's episode, I got to chat with David Oxman, who's the Vice President of Marketing and E-Commerce at Samsonite. We get to talk about how e-commerce brands should be taking Web 3.0 and the metaverse into account when thinking about long-term strategies, plus how to consider blending digital activities with a larger purpose. Let's jump into it. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. David, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Okay, so when thinking about the future now, trends, you know, what's coming down the pike, I want to hear from you. What are you betting on or what are you most excited to see play out? And especially if you have some contrarian ideas where you're like, not everyone will agree with me on this, but I'm still going to go for it. I would love to hear where you think things are headed. Absolutely. I mean, I know at the beginning of the call, you were mentioning Web 3.0. I saw a lot of excitement around that. So I think we can go that angle. Yeah, I'll start there. I think Web 3 is real. I think the decentralized web is coming. I don't think it'll completely replace Web 2. But I think that brands need to fundamentally understand not just what NFTs are, which I fundamentally think is going to change community building and and IP creation, but also how the idea and the concept behind decentralized web is ultimately going to make the consumer think about who they buy from in an even more robust way. With these DAOs that are popping up, which again, I don't know how familiar you are, but these ideas of DAOs are these decentralized autonomous organizations, it's like putting the power back in the hands of the individual. So big companies are going to have to make sure they're, they're keeping up with the mindset of consumers who are going to have a choice between where they spend their dollars, what information they share, and whose values they might align with. So I think that's really fascinating space. Mm-hmm. That's the piece I actually want to touch on most. NFTs to me, I'm like, yes, of course. I mean, There's so many applications for it. And I think there's a lot of noise, but there's a lot of like really good ways to, you know, take advantage of that technology. But Web 3.0, especially as a marketer or working in e-commerce or having your own company, I'm trying to figure out how are marketers going to reach their customers? I mean, I've, I've seen a couple pitch decks of people, you know, shopping around different company ideas. And one of my friends is starting a company around like basically allowing myself to get payments for when brands are using my information. And it just opened up a whole bunch of questions of, you know, well, one, ads can be helpful if they're personal. And if you go into this world where 
and there aren't any. And then, you know, you're maybe getting paid for letting someone use your data. Maybe that's not even the customer that most people want to reach anyways. If you're willing to, you know, get paid 25 cents for your data, like, I don't know, maybe I don't want that kind of customer. And so it opened up all these questions of like, how should marketers even be thinking about web 3.0? And like, what could that look like? Because it feels very fuzzy. It is. It is. And I think that's what's so exciting about it is it really is sort of the wild, wild west. It's like the early internet days. Here's what I'd say. I'm fascinated about the tokenization element of the decentralized and not necessarily going all the way to NFTs. But if you think about the idea of a digital token associated with your physical product purchase, imagine a world in which, you know, Nike, I'll use Nike as an example. You know, today they're cut out of the resale market. So someone buys a shoe and when it's resold because it's a cool drop, they don't get a piece of it. They lose the sight of the consumer. But if there's a digital token in the decentralized universe associated with it, now that token can be passed from consumer to consumer, which creates royalty applications in terms of percentage of sale. It also enables me to reach a consumer I wouldn't have been able to connect with and maybe I can create utility for them. I can provide them with early access to a drop. So this whole like email CRM universe is going to look so different as well based off of the tokenomics of how, you know, it's not about opt-in anymore. It's literally about holding something with maybe a little bit more value for the consumer. So I think that will be interesting. And then to your point, you know, with the death of the cookie, you know, it'll be interesting and I don't have the answer, but I'm I'm certainly excited to see how we can reach the consumer. I think it's going to be much more behavioral. I'm going to have to convince you to create access, you know, through your wallet, through your identity in a way that is going to enable me to get you down funnel, which I think is going to be really, really interesting for us. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that in a much more clear light of, you know, being incentivized to be like, okay, if I want to have a better experience, if I want to interact with whatever's happening here, giving up a certain piece of data that I'm okay with to then access that and also have a better experience. The part I never really, I still don't understand is like the payment piece when people are like, yeah, you'll get paid for your data. And I'm like, I don't need 10 cents for my data. And I'm not going to sit there and fill out a survey for 10 cents or like whatever you're trying to incentivize me to do. I'm just maybe not the person who would do that. And so it's just been interesting thinking about like how those incentives will work and how brands could even be thinking about playing in this world. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, anything here would be more my opinion than sort of anything we're sort of, you know, focused on ourselves. But I I do think there's a lot of consumers that may want a little incentive to be able to provide some sort of benefit if the value is there. But at the same time, you're, you know, individuals like yourself who maybe won't want to opt into that. It's really no different than if you look at all the privacy laws that are up today where a consumer can opt out of cookies and being tracked that way. It's just maybe going to be even another set of potential barriers to the consumer's data. So I think it's already happening. It's just going to look different than it does today. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So before we dive too deep into the world at Samsonite and what you're up to there, I actually want to hear about your background because you worked at really awesome places before. I see you've been at Reebok. You've been at Life is Good. You do a lot of stuff with like the CMO Council. And I mean, it looks like you're just everywhere in the world of marketing. So I want to hear what first attracted you to this world to start out. Yeah, absolutely. So marketing for me, you know, I went to Babson College, which is all about entrepreneurship. And what I really loved about that experience was I had my hands in many different functions. And marketing 
just hit for me because I would say I'm a balance between the creative side of my brain and the analytical side of my brain. So this idea of what makes people consider, you know, another brand or what sort of ideas or things do brands need to stand for to make an impact in people's lives, I think really set me on the path. And over my career at great places, like you mentioned, Reebok and Life is Good, I've put different things in the toolkit. At times, I was really learning about actual business and P&L ownership in the e-commerce space. But in other spaces, especially my experience at, at Life is Good, it was really about understanding purpose and not just a brand's purpose authentically, but how it can resonate with people and create need fulfillment. And the intersection of those things have just always been something that excited me. Mm, I love that. Okay. And tell me a bit about your role at Samsonite and what had you excited to join the company? Yeah. Samsonite has been an amazing experience. I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary. I actually accepted this role on March 10th, 2020. Oh, wow. In the yeah. thick of it. <laughs> yeah. So three days later, the travel world flipped on its head, yep. which in one way was really scary. And, you know, coming in as, as, a head of, as, as a head of marketing, it's like, what do you do in that scenario? But in many ways, it is actually, I think, the best thing that's ever happened in my career. In my capacity here, I've got accountability for our e-commerce business in the North America, which is seven brands within our portfolio. And on the brand side, five of those brands sit with my team in terms of day in, day out, brand positioning, content creation, and you know helping to drive brand elevation. So it's been an amazing experience through COVID and uh, one that I'm certain I will never forget. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Okay. So what did the first couple months look like? I mean, dropping into an environment like that and probably instantly having to pivot a lot of ways of doing things. I mean, what did that look like the first like 90 days or so look like for you? Yeah. I mean, just like everyone else, it was a scary time just personally for people. So really the focus was people first, making sure our people were safe, People were working remote, so creating new ways of working became super, super important. And then ultimately, it started to be about how do we meet the consumer where they are? So if people can't physically travel, as it was early in the pandemic, how could they use our product? How are we relevant? What message do we need to deliver? And we started focusing on you know, more fun activations, like using your, your luggage as gym equipment out to, you know, reinforcing our commitment to local workers. So giving bags to nurses so that they could more easily, you know, access equipment and things like that. So it really was people first, understanding the moment. And then from there, it was better understanding just like where the world would be going. So that would be like road trips in the summer of 2020. As the world started to open up a little bit, it just pivoted to more localized movement. So ultimately, we followed our consumer's lead and navigated our way through it. Wow, I love that. Okay, and so what does it look like today? I mean, it feels like a quite different world today where I do feel like people are out and about. I mean, from what it looked like a year ago or, you know, that's very different. So what is your key focus, you know, in the coming year now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would say we've got a lot happening here at Samsonite, you know, as the industry leader, and across many of our brands, eBags, Lapo, American Tourister, there's a lot happening. I would say that we're continuing to innovate. So while a lot of other brands uh, have turned off marketing 
and maybe weren't designing products, we continued that path throughout the pandemic. So we've got some great product launches. We've been really focused on brand elevation. And I think you can really see that in the work that the team has been putting out over the past year. From a trend perspective, I think there's some really interesting things happening with travel. One thing I'm seeing a lot of is what people call revenge travel, which really is this idea of people are not going to put off those bucket list trips. They are going to go for long periods of time because who knows what could happen in terms of the cycles of availability to travel. So revenge travel, I think that's going to be really hot going into the summer. And things like um, pleasure, where now it used to be like you'd go on a business trip and maybe you'd extend it for work. It's kind of the inverse. Now that so many roles are remote, people can be traveling and working from wherever they are. So it's really changing what business travel might even look like uh, here in the future. So you're saying maybe that luggage needs to get bigger to account for much longer trips than we've ever done before. And the data, I mean, yes, at times we're seeing those trends, you know, just like everyone else, we're looking at the data and yeah, we are seeing trends like that. And it's interesting to see for sure. That's cool. So when thinking about some of your favorite marketing campaigns, it can be at Samsonite or, you know, Reebok or Life is Good. I want to hear, you know, some stories around what's something you've worked on where you're like, that was not only awesome, but it also really worked well. Oh, all right. So I don't think I've ever shared these stories before. So actually, you'll be the first I'll share it with. So I would say that one of my favorite was when I was at Reebok, we were doing a great job of sort of reinventing the brand under the concept of this idea of be more human. And we had partnered with these amazing hardcore fitness organizations, places like CrossFit and Spartan Race. And really, we had reset the understanding that that brand's purpose was about being your best self mentally, physically, and socially. In the US, we were looking at how do we sort of extend that reach beyond these like hardcore CrossFit people? How do you sort of get to a a more mainstream American training consumer? And we shortlisted a group of athletes that we thought would be a great fit for us and fit for the brand. And we landed on JJ Watt, who, if you know JJ, three-time defensive player of the year, quite frankly, probably the hardest working athlete out there. And together, you know, what really made this special was that everything we did with JJ was authentic and built with him. It wasn't some sort of like, we came up with some idea that we thought was cool, but had nothing to do with his personal brand or beliefs. We literally concepted every single campaign we did hand in hand to the point where when we were going to launch our, our initial idea with him in terms of telling the world we were partnering, he had made a comment to us in one of the early meetings where basically he said, I've never hit a five foot box jump, but I've been working on it. And I think if I like keep working on it, maybe I can hit it. And that's the way we would announce a partnership is maybe I'll be wearing Reebok shoes. And we kind of laughed and we're like five feet box jump. Like that's insane. Well, two weeks later, he sends me a, you know, he sends me a video and it's of him missing this box jump. You know, he's just trying it and he's failing. And then Two weeks after that, he sends me an iPhone video where he hits a five foot box jump. He hits the top of the thing. He goes, yeah, he's screaming. You could tell it was like literally the first time he ever did it. Then he leans down and he, it was a, it was a pump shoe. And he said, must've been the shoes, baby. And he just pumps his shoes. And we launched that video. It cost us 
obviously nothing but the relationship with JJ and his idea. It was by far the most viral video. It was played on SportsCenter. We didn't pay for any of the media. And it was like one of the most amazing, authentic experiences. And his shoe went on to be a a huge success for us. But that's that was always a fun one because of how organic and, and real it was. Wow, I love that. Okay, so how have you now tried to recreate that in, you know, Life is Good or Samson? I mean, because to me, you have this example where you're like, oh, this worked so well and it was organic and authentic and video quality doesn't even matter. You know, in that case, like people are used to seeing this iPhone shot first party style now. Like, how have you tried to recreate it? And have you been successful? Maybe not to that level, but like, have you seen it work again or not yet? I think the answer is yes, I've seen it work again. And it's less about the virality and more about what I think is the underpinning lesson there, which is authenticity matters and being true to who you are and understanding, you know, what your consumer is self-reflecting on is important. Here at Samsonite in 2020, during the holidays, we did a video that basically we were thinking about what is the mindset? of travelers today. No one could go be with their family for the holidays. And we knew it was going to be a a disappointing sort of moment that people couldn't travel back to be where where their loved ones are. So we actually used real footage uh, that we had scoured from the internet. And we came up with a concept that was travel is a gift. And basically it showed reunions. It showed gifting of travel through authentic stories, and it interwove them to tell the tale of what we thought people were feeling, which is traveling to be with loved ones for the holidays is truly a gift. And even if you can't do it right now, travel as a gift for future connections that are going to be so important, you know, might be might be meaningful to keep hope alive, to keep things alive, given how circumstances were. You know, I was really proud of that piece because I think it really reinforced how people were feeling at the time. So Again, it's more about the lesson than sort of the the actual sort of how viral did it go in, in that instance. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you also have a good pulse on, you know, how to craft a story and narrative that connects with not only what's going on either with that person or, who, you know, their audience or what's happening in the environment. So when thinking about that, how do you think about like key elements to a marketing campaign? Like what are your best practices when developing these? Yeah, I think... Like anything else, it starts with clarity on what success looks like. So really understanding what KPIs you're trying to drive towards. And that understanding is going to enable you to be successful. Obviously, writing a great brief is critical. A simple brief, because simplicity is very hard, as you know, like, you know, they say what simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. So it really is about understanding what success looks like listening to all the inputs, whether that's cross-functionally or with your consumer, and then ultimately just trying to reflect the truth. And, and I think that sometimes, you know, that uh, that's more challenging than, than you might think, but really trying to find a truth in a moment is, is critically important. Mm-hmm. I love that. So for Samsonite, I mean, you, you know, this is a very longstanding brand. I think it's over a hundred years. How do you balance, you know, having all that experience, but also trying to show people like, we're new, we're still edgy, we've got it. I mean, it's obvious you do. So I'm always curious, like who's making that happen behind the scenes that it makes it clear that they're still a cool brand, even though they have a lot of experience. 100%. Yeah. So we are 112 years old on the Samsonite side. Some of our brands are even older. Hartman's from like the 1800s. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. They need to come on next and I want to figure that out. (laughs) Exactly. 
So for me, you know, when it comes down to that, heritage is really important. And to your point, it's a fine line between sort of like, oh, you're, you know, you're an old brand versus your brand that is nostalgic for some reason. I think the most important part of our heritage is about trust. It's about this idea that for this long, we've had products that are high quality and durable, you know, reinforcing that through our heritage, but not just standing for it. If we weren't innovative and created luggage with wheels on it and new innovation like this elevation product that we have coming out this year that has this really beautiful look to it, but it hides sort of a front door in a really unique and inspiring way, we wouldn't still be around. So at the end of the day, for me, heritage is about trust. It's about the durability and the longstanding nature of our products. And the innovation in the modern comes from the fact that, you know, if you look at a lot of our work, I think it should be iconic. You know, I think it should be modern, but just like, I think there's some really great brands out there. I look at like KitchenAid Appliance that everyone has in their kitchen. And it's been around since like the 1950s, but it's been modernized just a bit, right? And it still looks beautiful. And if you look at an ad today, it could be 1960 or it could be 2020. And that's what makes it so classic and iconic, uh, which, which I think resonates with me with brand Samsonite as well. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. So the world of retail right now, I want to hear how you guys are positioning yourself because, I mean, when I think about buying luggage and bags, I mean, especially luggage, I love being able to see it and feel it and roll it around and open it up and be like, will my stuff fit in here? I don't know. And so how are you guys viewing the retail landscape right now and, you know, blending that with obviously the digital world? Yeah, absolutely. So to your point, digital penetration is obviously on the move. And the pandemic sort of increased it probably 10 years in three months. And we know that that, generally speaking, for the whole retail universe is is the way things are to some extent. But the tactile part of it is so important. We've got amazing own stores, and we've got amazing key account partners, places like Macy's and Kohl's that are just best in class at bringing product experiences to people. And I think our our job is to nurture both sides of that. So we're very focused on creating a digital shelf that enables the consumer to understand the value of our product offering. So whether that's you know packing gifs that are showing how you can fit everything in the luggage or showing how durable it is, but also making sure that at point of sale, you know, we're maximizing that floor space and really showing the product in its best light. So it's certainly a balancing act and 
at the end of the day, it's just making sure that we're giving the consumer what they want, where they want it. Mm-hmm. So when you guys were going through the, I mean, rapidly seeing customers go digital, what kind of things were going on behind the scenes at Samsonite to, you know, maybe adjust to that trend really quickly? Like you said, it happened overnight, what would have maybe taken 10 years. So what did it look like behind the scenes when all this change was quickly happening? Yeah, it was interesting. It's a very entrepreneurial place here at Samsonite. So I would say that we moved quickly and nimbly to react to the changing landscape. And I think we did a, a really good job of that. Everything from creating more content to make sure that, you know, whether it was mid funnel down at point of sale, we were showing up in the best way possible across all the places where our brands live and, and sites where our brands live adding functionality like Bopis, buy online, pick up in store, and really starting to think about closing the loops. We know that consumers are on their phones while they're in store. They also are online and wanting to go get that product just like that, you know, at the drop of a hat. So we were moving quickly. And uh, ultimately, I think that we're better off for it. Very strong leadership team here that was dedicated to ensuring that we didn't miss a beat as the world continued to move. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so when switching over to NFTs now, I mean, there's a lot of obvious use cases around, you know, music and artwork and the things that everyone's probably already heard about. But maybe how do you think brands could be tapping into NFTs and using them in a way that's actually going to be helpful and not just throwing more technology at something and just like hoping something good will come from it? Absolutely. So I am a big believer in NFTs. And I think that there's like a lot of it's so early that I think people don't fully understand like where the value set is. So, I mean, at the end of the day, from my perspective, NFTs, obviously there's the art piece. Something can only have value if you like it or you don't. So like there's value creation there. But ultimately, I look at the other elements, which is things like rarity, utility, and the utility in terms of how do they create value, like you're asking, can come in so many different forms. And it's and again, I, I would say it's like a loyalty program. So if we if you have a token, whether it's a non-fungible or a fungible token, so a one of one or one of many, it can create many things. One could be access. So early access to drops. Um, it could be access to events. You know, so today, if you want to be included in a product launch, maybe the only way you can get access to it is if you have a certain token. So that that's an interesting model. Two is I think this affiliate influencer network, like you were saying, being paid for data. What if you were paid for resale or you were paid for bringing more people into the community for a brand? Oh, that's interesting. Like having the ability to actually track that better than just using links. But if you have the one-to-many relationship and then you see, okay, this influencer actually caused this much uplift in sales. Could be, right? So it could yeah. be. So like I give you 10 tokens there's a value set associated with what they give you access to. You can sell them on the free market and maybe you get a piece of the sale. I get access to the consumer you pass them to. You know, there could be a lot of really interesting, I think, use cases in, in those sorts of universes as well. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I mean, you're speaking my language here. These are all the things that I'm always diving into the deep wormholes to figure out. So is there anything else that you're watching, even if it's from the sidelines where you're like, this could be an interesting trend in the industry? Yeah, I would say I'm really tapped into the travel space. So I am fascinated by sustainable travel right now. And that's something we're really committed to here at Samsonite. 
So there's a lot happening in this idea of slow travel, which is maybe people aren't going to take planes as much. Again, generally speaking, there's a consumer who maybe will take trains, you know, which is a, a lot better for the environment. And the experience of being on a train and how you see a countryside is very different than it might be sort of on a plane. So this idea of slow travel, I think, is super interesting. And just the ideas of where sustainability is going to go as it relates to maybe less consumables overall. I think there's a movement towards durability, longevity, holding on to things versus maybe so much consumptionism. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it kind of drives back to the point in the beginning of the episode of where you're like, I love, you know, blending digital and purpose and seeing how those two can intersect. It's interesting hearing you talk about that, where it's like some companies could see, you know, that opinion and be like, well, whoa, that's going against like our products. And that might take away from some of our customers buying all the time. And how do you think about brands, you know, approaching this in a way that is going to help their company, but also having the long-term view on it where it's like, yeah, maybe actually if you take a view where like you don't need to consume as much, maybe it will, you know, reduce sales for a little bit, but here's the long-term approach and view on this. Like, how should a brand be thinking about that? Yeah. I mean, personally, I think there's a lot of good data that shows that more and more, especially Gen Z and millennials to some extent are willing to pay up for products that are sustainable, that have some sort of purpose or authenticity at its core. So I do think it's good for business long-term. I also think that there's a lot of innovation and things that are coming out of whether it's supply chain and processes and technology that is more sustainable, but also drives more efficiency within organizations. So I do think my hypothesis would be that it's good for business long-term and it's also the right thing to do. And I think that many of us come into work in any organization and you know we are much more effective when we are driven and we're much more driven when we're going to a place that has a purpose that we align with. So I think there's a lot to be said for strong organizations, places I've been at, like Life is Good, that has a nonprofit and optimism at its core, that it's just proven. I saw it every day. People are so passionate and care so deeply because they're doing something that they actually believe in. And I think that's really powerful for any organization to be focused on. I love that. Okay, the last thing I want to touch on is I want to hear maybe some pieces of advice or just themes that you're hearing because I know you're surrounded by a lot of very smart people. I think you're a part of like the CMO council. I see you doing CMO breakfast series and I'm like, okay, David has a lot of great people probably surrounding him. And so I want to hear, you know, what you're maybe hearing from some of these leaders or what's some of the best advice or just themes that people are talking through right now. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of flavors of that, I guess. So I guess... My first thing, and maybe this is a leadership, but it's also maybe a, a great life lesson that I fundamentally believe in and you know, have learned over the years is if you want to be happy, give gratitude. Give gratitude to your people, to your family, to people around you. Because when you actually, not only is it great for everyone around you and it's going to create so much more energy and positivity within your teams, but also if you give someone a compliment, or you tell someone why you appreciate what they're doing, you will fundamentally feel great. And I, this is a selfish thing to say, but it's actually really true. So I think too often today, um, things have gotten pretty divisive and crazy. So remembering gratitude and practicing gratitude is something that I would absolutely give as something that I think is really meaningful and, and valuable. 
you know, some advice that I, again, I have or would give or have heard is that many people who are probably listening to this are probably very um, driven individuals who are in these organizations, maybe at different parts of their journey. Some maybe are earlier in their careers. And for those people, I'd say, continue to drive, say yes a lot, definitely say like, bring it on, but only attack one or two fires at once. You know, like you, you want to be great at what you're doing. So don't overextend yourself to a place in which you can't make those big differences and and drive those big rocks. So again, in today's environment, especially like be a driver, be entrepreneurial, but also attack an appropriate amount and and don't burn yourself out so quickly, which I think we we tend to do, especially as Americans. Yep. I agree. I love those too. Okay. And my last question is where in the world are you traveling to next? I'm sure you have to be going somewhere. I am. So let's see. I am off to Boynton Beach, Florida. Okay. And uh, it's been a while. So actually we're going to visit my my wife's uh, parents. And like many Americans, we have not been able to see them for far too long. So yeah. I'm excited for some sunshine because I'm, I'm here in the Boston area and it's been snowy and okay. rainy. Cold. <laughs> so uh, excited, excited to get there. But I'm also excited. I haven't uh, had a chance to get up to Canada to meet some of my team up in Stratford. So I'm looking forward to both the warm and then at some point get up to the uh, to our friends up north. So those are the two areas I'm focused on right now. Amazing. Well, that sounds very pleasant and warm and then cold. So sounds great. Well, David, thank you so much for hopping on here today. It was really fun chatting, hearing what you're up to at Samsonite. Until next time, where can people learn more about you? So, oh, so people can learn more about me, connect with me on LinkedIn, or uh, you can find a lot of my web three on Twitter. Awesome. I will definitely check that out. Thanks, David. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.